Alrighty, guys, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, and I'm broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. I guess I could change that to Meth Mountain now, D, now that we're not doing the um, Kettle of Fish show, huh? Yeah, I mean, and that, that kind of is where we live, I mean... Well, Hurricane Mountain is the official on the map name, but we affectionately call it Meth Mountain. But I was using that on Kettle of Fish, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to use it on both shows. But you yeah. know what? Now that Kettle of Fish is closing down, we'll say Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And everybody and I knows also, that's what we are, so that's fine. Well, that's where we live. Yeah. Don't let the mountain define us, D. I also <laughs> want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, usually calling in from Charm City, Maryland. But now, where, Odell, where are you, Odell? <laughs> I'm in Providence, Rhode Island. Ooh. Didn't, yeah, um, weren't you a... slated to be on one of those jets that got grounded and it was like a nightmare getting there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was supposed to be on a Max, I think, Max 8 plane. And um, as you know, all the stuff that's going on. So uh, yesterday I got a flight cancellation. So I had to reschedule my flight. And basically it went from an hour and a half flight to a seven-hour flight. Because I had to go, instead of just going from Baltimore to Providence, which is like an hour and a half, I had to go from Baltimore to Chicago, then over to Providence. So I'm literally just getting in. Uh, I got in about an hour ago. <laughs> Damn, that shows your dedication. I will say you probably could have got there quicker via pogo stick. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that while I was on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows your dedication. I don't know about you, Odell, but I am ready to get re-educated tonight. Yes, yes. I am really looking forward to tonight's show. And here's what's crazy is I didn't realize until I talked that we're going to have, well, I'll give you the lineup. Tonight, we're going to have um, Lee Press on from Lee Press on on the Nails back, Alex White from White Mystery, Ben Jaffe from Honey Honey, and of course, our next guest, our first guest is Head Ned from Oakley Doakley. And I didn't realize until yeah. I talked to Ben that we hadn't had Ben on in over a year. And I went back through the archives and I was like, man, we haven't had any of these guests on for over a year. But we've had yeah, so yeah. many guests on and we've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to do full episodes and bring back our favorite guests, so now we're doing it in one big update episode. I'm going to try to do these, let's say, bi-monthly every other month, so I could catch up with all the guests that we love talking to, because we're so damn busy now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, that's a good thing, but um, on, the, on the flip side, uh, the, the really good, the cool thing is that the artists that we are talking to they're really going out and doing their thing as well. So it's really cool to catch up with them to see, you know, where they've gone from the time that we talked to them to now. So, uh, and I know as far as Oakley Oakley, there's a lot going on with them. So it's, it's all the fun. bands have exploded over the last year. I was going yeah, through and kind of oh look at, I was like, man, dude, what are we doing? Actually, we've been exploding. I will say this is our best year so far. Definitely, definitely our best year. And I think this is, um, we recorded an episode with Danita Sparks from L7 last week, but we won't be releasing it till May, right before the album comes out. Mm -hmm. But this will be our 75th episode recording of Musical Osmosis. I think it's like your 65th, but total, it's like 75 of these, and now things are finally taking off. Wow. Unbelievable. And and, and, and the thing is, is if, if, if you look at it, it's like, you don't realize how fast it goes until you look at the dates of the shows you're like holy cow that's three years ago 
That's two years ago. So, dude, the older you get, I remember when I worked at Pearl Vision, and you know, this wasn't when I had worked there; it was before my time. But my boss told me at the time, yeah, we used to be out on Military Highway like back five years ago. And p- older people, I'm talking like people in their 70s and 80s, maybe 60s, would come in and go, "Oh, you guys moved." Um, yeah, like six years ago. No, no, no. I was just in here last year. And, you know, or they'd come in to get their prescription and it'd be expired after two years. There's no way it's mm-hmm. been six years since my last um, eye exam. And I was like, man, old people have no concept of time. And now I find myself, <laughs> I guess I monkey pawed myself because I find my fucking self being the same way. Something will happen like four years ago. And I was like, that was four years ago? I felt like that. I thought that was like six months ago. Mm-hmm. So I guess it happens yeah, well, to the best of us. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you look at, like, you know, Facebook is one of those things where they, they'll, they'll put up your memories. So all of a sudden you see this memory and you're like, holy cow, that was three years ago. Or, or you know, or there was a party or whatever, and, and you're like, wow, that was eight years ago. It's like, where did the time go? Dude, me and Dee's about to celebrate our 10th anniversary, and I think you and Susan should be rolling up on what, year 13, 14? Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, well, we've been dating, we were dating since 2004, and then um, we got married in Note 7, so yeah, uh, 12 years, 12 years. Oh, all right, let's stop our old man rambling. Um, <laughs> D, who do we have coming up? I, I I guess I could just tell you, we've got Jughead from Screech and Weasel coming up, and also Inger, how do you say her last name, is it Nora, from the Nymphs coming up? Laura, or Lori, Laura. What, Laura. we'll have to, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm just terrible. <laughs> She's awesome. I'm not terrible with tonight's <laughs> guest name. All righty, so let's get tonight's guest in here. No uh, neighborinos. Our first fabulous guest is the noodly neato frontman of the riddly raging nettle band, Oakley Diddly Ding Dong Dokely, the Dandily Dokely Head Ned, or do- Dandy Doodly Head Ned. Ned, what's up? <laughs> Howdy Doodly. I like the cut of your gibberish. Thank you. There you know, you Ned Flanders is so beloved that I actually wrote that via uh, English to Ned Flanders translator on Google. Google actually has a translator to translate things into Flanders speak. Wow. Yeah, I know. They hired me for that about a year ago. I just kind of sit at the back. People punch stuff in. It's, you know, it's pretty great. Have you been getting your royalty Whoa. checks? Google hasn't been screwing you, have they? <laughs> No, no, of course not. I get, you know, the standard quarter quarter of a fifth of a third of a cent. Every, but they're not you know, paying you a Bitcoin, <laughs> are they? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Bitcoin and Twinkies? Isn't that how they pay their Yeah. <laughs> That's what I requested, but no, you can't get what you want all the time. That is true, Ned. You are a wise man. Hey, before we jump totally in, because we got to talk about this new album, um, Howdly Toodly, which comes out Friday. I think we'll release this show Friday. So it comes out the day we release this show. I got to tell you, man, the keyboard breakdown, I, w- I went and listened to the whole album like 10 times. Ooh, the keyboard yeah. breakdown and that second track, When the Comet Gets Here, this is one of the mm-hmm. best metal breakdowns I've ever heard and the best keyboard metal breakdown i've ever heard you have really got to give zed i hope you're like giving him an extra sugar cookie at the end of every performance because that that new (laughs) album is brutal it is bro yeah (laughs) thank you thank you yeah that was i was excited to get that uh that solo on there 
Um, and yeah, we've been definitely rewarding and we've been pelting him with foot lung hot dogs after every show. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great solo. I, I was really excited to kind of put that track as far forward on the album as we did. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Last time we had you on, you guys were still torn on the first album. And I think a lot of people were attracted to the band because of the theme of the band, because the pictures came out in a couple demos and you guys were just viral on the internet before you had even put an album or a tour together. Now that you've been around for a few years, and now that everybody knows what you're about, does it kind of really put the pressure on that you had to step it up musically because you felt like you couldn't just rely on the whole Ned Flanders theme or motif that you really had to bring to music because you really fucking brought the music with this album? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we... There was a certain level of like, okay, now we're going to do another album. And uh, we had to get methodical about it. Um, one of the things I did before we even started like writing is uh, I sat down over the course of about a month. Um, I got the first 10 seasons of The Simpsons and I just watched uh, kind of all the way through every night or so, a couple of episodes and just started writing down quotes. And I had a goal of writing uh, 20 songs. Uh, based off those quotes um, and I ended up doing that. And then from there we kind of just cut and got to pick and choose the ones we liked from, uh, from that original setup to, to get to the final 11 that are going to be on the record. That's amazing. And like oh, wow. I was yeah, saying, yeah. man, if you guys were just in jeans and t-shirts and the name of your band was like Deathstroke or something, and you were just singing songs about vampires or war or whatever, I would still love this album <laughs> just as much. The first album, I was a Simpson fan, and that's what reeled me in. But I love this album musically. And I could tell that, at least in my opinion, you guys were really pushing the music end of it. Because like I said, man, some of those keyboard breakdowns and just the music behind it, you guys really brought it this album. I think Odell probably feels the same way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to ask. I know I was reading um, uh, about... Uh, did, was that an effect of the, uh, the the lineup change, or was that something that had happened a while before that? Before writing the, it, had, it had happened a little bit before that. Um, so the new, well, the new lineup, all the all the guys from the current lineup are the ones who who kind of wrote and were on board for this um, for this record. So Hadley Tootley is all the, our current drummer drummed on that. Um, current keyboardist wrote all the parts for that. Um, so yeah, it is, it is kind of a, a little bit newer, newer sound just because the kind of shift in members. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, it's been really good. I'm excited. These guys have, they've toured a lot in other bands and a lot of different bands before. So they brought in a lot of, uh, experience and then just the, cool. the synthesis of that experience into nettle, uh, cranked out some good stuff that we're, we're excited about. So let me ask you why the lineup changed, because you guys were on fire. I can't imagine anybody wanting to leave. Well, so with the lineup change, we when we first started the band, um, all the original members were just like friends of mine. And our goal was to play one or two like local pub shows, things like that. And, and, and like you had said, there's kind of a, a rapid shift in the band going from just something that we were going to do at home for fun to something that had an opportunity to tour. Um, and we ended up going from nothing to out on our first five week tour with Max Sabbath and Metalachi. 
Um, and a lot of the guys, the original guys had mods and rods and tods at home and mm-hmm. were, you know, buying houses and had day jobs and things. And so the main reason for the lineup change was just not everybody could kind of shift their entire lifestyle gotcha. to tour yeah. and to, to kind of take that, that career that all the guys who, who all of our current Neds, um, all kind of work in or around the music industry. They have, uh, they do lessons. They don't have kind of day jobs or anything. They, they do a lot of like gig work. So they're able to kind of have that, you know, touring half the year, not doing anything or kind of working on something else half the year. So that was, that was kind of the main reason is original members wanted to look after their mods and rods and, and leftoriums back home. Right on. I, last time we talked to you, I think the only Springfield you had played so far was Springfield, Missouri. Have you hit some other Springfield since then? We have so far. That's the only Springfield that we've hit. That was the final show on one of our, our uh, headlining tours in 2017. Um, we come close and we're looking at more. There's, there's Springfield, Illinois, which is a pretty big town. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the same time, uh, a good friend of mine actually sent me a map. He had routed out what it would look like if we did a tour of every Springfield in the U.S. Um, and it would be the most just like logistically and financially like poor <laughs> decision we could ever make. But it, it might just be worth it. Well, Ned Flanders is nothing if he's not prudent. So I don't see you guys making poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh Ned, real quick, um, when you go to your shows, do I always I had this question a lot of times, you know, when people go and see KISS, you see a lot of people in the in the crowd dressed as their favorite person in KISS, or even like Alice Cooper or um Slipknot even. You know, you go to their shows and people are wearing whoever they um like. So when you guys play, do you see people dressed as Simpson characters or do they come dressed as that or do they do you do you see a lot of that? Yeah, we do. Um, the the most common one is people do come dressed as Ned. We call them bonus Neds. Um, oh, that's and that'll amazing. be a common thing. We'll be in the green room like, oh, man, we got five bonus Neds out in the crowd tonight or, or anything like that. Um, we, <laughs> we did a UK tour last October. And so far, London uh, is the top bonus Ned town. I think we counted uh, somewhere near 25 bonus Neds at the show. We took a big picture wow. with as many as we could get at the end of the show. Um, but then, yeah, people have also branched out. We've seen a couple mods. Um, we've <laughs> seen, there's been like a sideshow Bob, an auto, uh, a Homer with a big target on his chest. So when we pull out our t-shirt cannon, he, he's, uh, he's, he's there invisible as the target. Um, and yeah, we do. Like a lot of shows, we see a lot of people come decked out as, as their favorite character. Um, but I still think my favorite is when just in the mosh pit, you've got, you know, uh, 10 guys in standard clothing and then just like two or three who are in like a sweater and glasses. Uh, Man, get up. <laughs> I have got to make it out to one of your shows. And of course, if I come out, I'll be Dr. Nick. I promise when I come <laughs> out to your show, I will be Dr. Nick. <laughs> I think that, that'll that work. makes sense. 
It does make sense. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the new album, Howdly Toodly. Um, I like I said, I can't give it enough praise. It's heavier, it's more melodic, like you said. The breakdowns just musically sound. It is a tight, beautiful album. Tell me about going into this album. Did you have an expectation to kind of push the envelope a little bit? Um, what was the mind frame going into this album? And I know the album drops Friday, but you guys have been taking pre-orders for it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been some some digital digital and physical pre-orders for it. Um, yeah, we going into the album, we kind of had that original pack of 20 songs written. Um, we just started adding the pieces to it. I kind of put the structure together. Um, and we looked at... Uh, we're kind of looking at like two different, two different types of song on the album. There are like kind of the, the, the bigger pieces that are based on maybe lesser known bits. Um, like the, the song murder house and wrong God. Mm. And those, those were fun to write. Those I kind of wanted to step it up and do something that was like a little bit, uh, a little bit less simple and a little more technical than what we've done. Right. And at the same time, some of my favorite songs on there are like the song, I Can't, It's a Geo, uh, which is just goofy and short and totally it's fun to, we've played that live a couple times and we get the crowd to, to shout the word faster, hearing that, that and, and Purple <laughs> Drapes, which is just short, short blasty song. So it was, it was very fun and we wanted to get those two types of songs in there. The, the fun, fun, long musical pieces that are, uh, more you know for those those kind of listening to the album and then the shorter ones that the songs are just almost jokes within themselves that are that are they're fun to throw into a set list and fun to play so what kind of things are not making the album because if you had 20 songs i mean that's like having 20 kids how do you you know figure out which ones you're going to kick off the island mm-hmm. oh geez that was tough i mean a lot of it came to I mean, I would sit there and go through and we'd have, you know, we'd have 20 of them and I'd go like, ah, this song's got a really great solo, but this song's got a really, you know, this song's got a really good breakdown, but this song is a really funny part that we really want to keep in there. So it was kind of picking and choosing the different, different aspects or things that, that songs had. Um, but I know throughout the process, I can't, it's a geo and purple drapes and murdered Erdler. Um, those songs were, were kind of, I, I knew from the start that they were going to be there. Um, unfortunately, a couple of the songs did make it all the way to the recording process. Um, we recorded versions of them, um, and then we ended up just kind of holding them back from the record. But uh, a couple months down the road, we should kind of be revisiting those. We might have a little EP coming out. Um, right on. I was about, to ask, I was, I was about to ask that. Yeah, I was about to ask that. Would you, you know, the songs that didn't make it or the songs that really were, you know, like you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, oh, should we put that one on? Or where you where you guys going to put those out later on? So that's that's cool that you answered that. Can you play yeah. songs live that aren't on the album or is there just no point because the audience won't be familiar with them? A couple of them we have played live. Mostly it kind of comes down to, to two things. Um, because we've only got one record out there and we've been doing headlining tours to kind of fill the time that a, a headliner would play. We throw a couple new songs in there um, just to kind of, just to kind of test them out there. And some of the songs, 
uh, even if they're new to the audience, they're still kind of fun. Like I can't, it's a geo is, is fun or purple drapes we've been doing. Um, and then we've got a, a little Beatles cover that we kind of, uh, toss out there too. It's, it's yellow submarine, but we change it to yellow family. And then the whole second half of the song is just uh, completely unrecognizable because it's all metal breakdowns. Um, <laughs> the Beatles would be proud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, let me update um, from last time I talked to you and ask you a couple things again that I asked you last time to see if there's been any progress. Any words from the Simpson camp yet about having Oakley Doakley kind of do a guest spot on the Simpsons? Nothing yet on that front. Um, There was an episode uh, maybe last season or so that may have slightly referenced the band. It was a bit where Ned Flanders is working odd jobs ends up at a photographer for Rolling Stone uh, and he's like taking photographs of this metal band. And he says something along the lines of, you can't, you can't go out dressed like that. And then he gives them all makeovers and it shows the band in green sweaters and oh, all dressed like Ned. That's awesome. That may have been kind of a tongue in cheek reference. Uh, and when they posted it on Facebook, a bunch of people commented with our, our name and everything. Um, yeah, they need to get it over with then, and just have you guys on, man. I would love that. that yeah, great. Oh, yeah, that would be so great. Other than that, other than that, it's been all quiet. I mean, we've uh, it would be excellent too, but we've also had that kind of overarching fear of the first people that might reach out from the the Fox camp are those in the legal department. Uh, it was a little cease and desist, but we've been we've been kind of careful not to not to really enrage anyone or do anything that makes it look like we're saying that we are officially associated with with the show no i mean absolutely i mean when i see you guys i just consider you fans who are paying homage to the character ned flanders i don't see it as you Mm -hmm. trying to pretend you're an extension of the simpson universe somehow (laughs) yeah it's just a very extreme version of fan fiction i could get on board with that odell we've got to get ned out of here do you have anything before we let him go no, I, I, it was funny you mentioned um, your, your UK tour. Uh, how did that go? Because I know I went over to London two summers ago, and they, first of all, they just love music. And then, and two, uh, I went to a couple shows over there just to see random bands, and they just it, embrace it. So how, how was the UK tour? Uh, it was excellent. We had some of the biggest crowds over in the UK that, that we've had anywhere. And like I said, so many bonus Neds in London, bonus Neds at a bunch of other shows, um, and just a, just an excellent response. But we also made a lot of people mad because, oddly enough, we have a lot of like merch and a lot of fans in Germany. Um, and it was oh, wow. just it was kind of a scheduling routing thing that we couldn't make it over to Germany as well. But a bunch of people were like, "Hey, you came all the way to England into Germany." So um, right now that's kind of, that's on our docket for, for later 2019. We're already in the works of going back over there um, to the UK and to uh, kind of appease some German, German fans who have been um, hungry for some nettle. Yeah, dude, I there get it, go. man. People are really into you. I mean, it's like I live probably about an hour from Dollywood. And sometimes friends will come here with family and go to Dollywood, but they don't like come visit me. And I'll be like, yo, you live in Maryland and you're out of Tennessee. You didn't come visit me. And they have family stuff going on. So I kind of feel like that's what Germany feels like. They're like, you came out here and didn't visit us. 
So it's just it's a sign of affection, Ned. Those Brits. <laughs> yeah, they stole them. All righty, um, Ned, can't thank you enough. We've got to have you on again before yeah. um, another year goes by. In the meantime, tell everybody where they can find you on the good old diddly doodly interwebs and how we can pick up the album. Uh, you can find us on uh, Um That's got links for everything. The album is on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, uh, all of the fun places that uh, you'll be able to listen and stream music. Um, and then uh, we'll be kicking off our tour here in April, um, mostly on the East Coast. So we'll be wandering around and check out our tour dates and uh, come see uh, see how many bonus Neds show up in your town or even be one. Wow, you need to have a contest awesome. on your tour, City with the Most on Bonus Neds. And really <laughs> get people geared yeah. up. And now, are you going to hit Baltimore or that area, D.C., Baltimore, by any chance? We are. We're playing uh, D.C. 9 in Washington, D.C. Um, hit us up on nice. the email, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get you on the list there for the show. Um, but, yeah, that's, a, that's the closest we're going to be. I've got family in Baltimore as well, so I'm kind of bummed we're, we're skipping, but at least we're in D.C., which isn't too far. Yeah. No, right on. Awesome. Awesome. We'll All right, that. neighbor Reno, you have yourself a dandy doodly day, and thanks so much for calling in. This was a joy. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Thanks, Adele. Take care. Well, Susan's a cat. She lives in L.A. Up in the park the western gate where the sands crunch like snails under your feet when the clouds lift you see straight to the sea Alrighty, coming up is the guitarist of the eclectic folk rock band Honey Honey, but he is also a brilliant solo artist who is currently doing tours with Dead Horses and Ruby Boots, our friend Mr. Benjamin Jaffe. Ben, what is up? Well, here I am, sitting, talking with you. Authentically, you were actually (laughs) on the road driving as we were talking to you to get you in here tonight. I know, I'm just trying to knock it out while I'm leaving town in a couple of days and it gets it gets kind of hectic last few days so i'm i'm packing it all in right on well i'm glad to have you on man and it's crazy yeah, because when we were chatting back and forth via email you're like yeah i think the last time i was on was january last year and me and odell were just talking about this in the intro earlier on the show i like the older i get i have no concept of time i can't believe the last time we talked to you on air was 14 months ago that's insane to me and that bonkers. A year is not a long <laughs> period of time at all for our simple human brains. Not in a digital age because you know? everything comes at you. I mean, mm-hmm. the last time we talked to you was 670 insane Trump tweets ago. <laughs> oh, God. It was there that long ago. Is that, do you have like a math <laughs> brain or did that just come? Did you do some calculations before you said that? I will leave that up to the audience to decipher. Cool. I'm trying to stay mysterious <laughs> here, Ben. So last time we talked to you, 
I don't even think the solo album, I think you were just gearing up to release the solo album, right? It hadn't even fully mm-hmm. come out yep. yet. Yeah, I was like in seclusion in, in Western Mass. I was working on a batch of songs and we talked, and my record didn't come out till May 11th. So it's almost been a year since my little song baby came out. I don't ever call it that, and I feel weird. I just <laughs> Should we hit the edit button? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Before it's all over the internet. Benjamin Jaffe says he had a song, baby. <laughs> and that gets all twisted and contorted. But it's funny, because when we were no, talking it's, to it's, you, it kind of sounded like, hey, I'm experimenting going off and doing this solo thing, and it's kind of like, I don't know where I'm going to go with this, where it's going to go. And then fast forward 14 months later, and I'm like, so what all you've been up to? And you send me this insane list of you have so much going on. Things have really taken off for you. Well, it's interesting, right? But I also feel like if you're in this thing or maybe anything, there's so much that needs to be happening for it to happen. I know that sounds kind of vague, but like everybody I know who's listening, you have multiple projects. Everything is kind of somehow some way leading to the next thing but yeah i um it's been interesting after honey honey to have all this time and to be in la i came back to la i was in new york blah 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 um but back in la without suzette my former partner around suzanne who you know i'd never really been in la without or it's been over a decade so to see it kind of develop without her it's been really interesting and all this weird shit happens as a result I mean, not that weird shit wasn't happening with her. Right, right. (laughs) But is Honey Honey now kind of the part-time thing? I'm sorry, Odell, I'll let you get in here one second. But is Honey Honey kind of the part-time thing now? And now it's all solo? Or are you pivoting between both equally? What's that dynamic like? Well, so last uh, July, we had the last Honey Honey tour um, for the foreseeable future. And she joined Hozier's band. Um, so she, oh, she literally wow, left right. straight from, yeah, so she left straight from our tour. She, we were in Colorado and she went to Dublin. Um, and I went back to LA and did like a little run with this guy Donovan Frankenwriter for my solo stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. she's kind of been gone since then. <laughs> so honey, honey is very much like it's, it's, uh, I, it's not really even on the stove right now. Wow, I love that band too. Yeah, no, I was going to ask if that was a done I, the, from the the way you're talking. So is she still with Hozier? Because I I could have sworn I just watched. Uh, I think it was like CBS Sunday morning or Saturday morning or something like that, and he was on there um, doing like a music a musical thing. And I was was yeah. she part of that as well? Okay, okay, okay. Well, I thought I, so because I, I was watching it. And I'm like, she looks. I don't know. I was like, right. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see that, so I don't know because sometimes he'll just do stuff by himself. Hozier is his is Andrew's name, um, who's the lead singer. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so she might have been on it for sure. She's she's been with his group for like the I, I guess since since last August, and is gonna be with him for a few more months. I think until through June. So okay. any anything that yeah. happened, and that went crazy. I mean, like that record went to number one. Yeah. Whoa. That's yeah, that was. Yeah, it was pretty wild because it was a full-on band. It had the singers. Um, he, they were actually uh, uh, part of this whole, um, like, not bluegrass, but this, like, this sort of, I forgot what type of festival it was, but uh, he, he would, that, they were added on to it. They were, like, the special guests to it. So 
they were in New York, and I guess they were on the CBS show um, one right. Saturday morning when I was just sitting there watching it, yeah. I'm actually kind of yep. sad to hear Honey Honey's gone because I was really, really into that band, man. Does it feel like a little was, piece man, of you was, is gone as well? Because, I mean, you were part of it. So if I feel like, oh, damn, something's missing, like I can't believe they're gone, I know it's really got to be resonating with you. It was a big thing. It's been a big thing. Um, but, you know, seasons change, turn, turn, turn. Mm-hmm. We get so philosophical in our old age. Hey, I want to pivot back to something else we talked about last time, too. We were talking about, as you were embarking in this new um, journey in your life, how it's so hard for especially somebody starting out again in a solo world to kind of cut through the white noise of the digital age and get out there and just promote yourself. Do you figure feel like you're like a little bit more savvy on that end now since the last time we talked, that you're kind of navigating those waters a little better? Maybe. I mean, anything that's been most of the development that have happened have just come through time or from my whole strategy with this at this point is you just stay in the ring long enough for something weird to happen because something weird is going to happen eventually. Um, And, uh, you know, probably many weird things, but uh, and they connect dots and blah, blah, blah. But I think the, the whole kind of digital saturation thing is just if it's healthiest, whatever way you can manage some sort of healthy mental relationship with it is how you got to do it. And I think it's the same kind of as it ever was in the sense of if you can be a productive artist, then you can do a thing. You know, I don't, it's too much to worry about anything beyond that. I, I feel. But you don't feel like you're boxed in from the whole thing because there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through now. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, fewer hoops too I, I mean the idea that i can put something out whenever i want however i want on the same platforms that and anybody else uses like that's pretty cool and you know it might not get the same shape but it it also won't take the same resources and has a chance and a shot and you know it's like people it's hard to relax into the smaller moves and how impactful they can be. It's like, you know, playing SNL isn't the only fucking game. <laughs> yeah, you know, true that. You're shocked. You know, you think like, okay, man, only 300 people saw my video. Like, well, it depends on what 300 people saw it. You know, maybe Barack Obama was one of them. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, you, but here's the thing, man. I feel like the internet used to be the wild, wild west. And there were no gatekeepers. And what I mean by kind of being restrained and having more hoops to jump through, YouTube, like, it's almost impossible to monetize now on YouTube. Like, if you're an independent artist, the the criteria, I think, what do you have to have, like, 10,000 followers and 4,000 hours of play a year just to be able to monetize? I feel like the corporations are finally figuring out this internet thing and how to squeeze the little guy. Yeah, well, that was never not going to happen, for sure. But I think... It, 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 I don't want to go off course, but it makes me think, oh, this is going to get real weird now. But do you know what deep fakes are? No. Educate me. Deep fakes. Okay, deep fakes, it came, it's starting to be talked about in the political realm, and I promise this will come back to some, you know, meaningless point that I have. But um, <laughs> deep fakes are like an application of AI, and it started in the porn world, basically, where they would take celebrities and paste them on other people's <laughs> bodies. And, you know what yep. I'm saying? So yep. Yep. now that technology is 
getting more and more widespread. The point of it is, I think we're looking at something where it's going to be harder and harder to um, connect to trust anything that you see because you don't know where it's coming from saw, or what it is. Yeah, the point I'm you saw trying it a to make lot during the election. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's it's going to be a big yeah. thing for the next forever or as long as we last. But I think it's going to make live performance more and more meaningful. And, you know, not that that's not a really saturated place too, but that's kind of exciting to me to feel it moving that way. It's like, oh shit, making music for people in a room, I think has never been, you know, uh, less important. And more meaningful. More important. Yeah. It seems like it has meaning. It resonates more. Odell, I've said a lot on the political show when we used to have it. The new dealers, the you know, the new drug dealers of the future are going to be fucking information pushers, information dealers, people who can get you the oh, actual yeah. real information and sift through all the bullshit and get it out to people. That's where the money money is in the future, is with the information dealer. Yeah. I mean, you see it, you see it now. You have yeah, you have people specifically out there that basically just shuffle through the BS and get you the real information. And those are the ones that are, you know, really prominent. Those are the ones that are actually, you know, when you see them on or you listen to like NPR or different uh, stations and shows like that, you're like, wow, you know, that has not even come close to being put out by the quote unquote national media. But then you hear it from here like, well, this is what's really going on or this is what is actually being said during this time. And it's funny that you mentioned that because it's so true. I'm, I don't know how many memes or short videos people put out depending on whatever, however they lean politically, but it'll be like, here's President Obama talking about helping, you know, ISIS. And then they'll just cut a bunch of words together and mouth the lips. And, and then all you're like, man, that's not the, what are you talking Hasn't about? Hasn't common it's sense real. taken a vacation though? Because sometimes you see stuff and it's like, my problem is is I'll see stuff that's so ridiculous, I won't believe it's true, and sometimes it is true. But I've never seen something that was ridiculous I thought was true, and it ended up being fake. It's always in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm cynical, but it's always in the opposite direction. You see stuff that's so ridiculous, like an Onion article about like Obama was flying back to Cuba, and there was like 400 people hanging off the wing, coming back with them. Who in the hell could believe such a thing? What rational well, person could believe that? And, and Ben can attest to this. I live in. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's funny because <laughs> um, it just in the political, just in in, in the in the world field, it, the Onion has fooled a lot of countries. Like a lot of countries have thought what they're saying. North Korea used the Onion one time, and they thought it was a real story. Iran used the onion one time, and they thought it was a real story. Let's not use and North Korea. Like, they think Kim Jong was born flying down a rainbow, doesn't use the bathroom, and shits skittles. Yeah, yeah, but so let's Iran, not use their born. society as a litmus. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, if you take the onion and you put it out there, people have actually used that and been like, "See, this is what's really going on in America," and you're like, "Dude, that's a that's a satire news organization," <laughs> but but they look so real and it looks so the way they write it, that people that aren't really familiar with them think it's, 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 it's gospel. It's bad, man. I mean, my cousin once put an article up that was just some ridiculous Onion article, and he was outraged by it. And I was like, hey, um, Butchie, this is satire. You're getting your news from Mad Magazine. 
This is not real. Like, it's fucking satire. Oh, oh, well, it could be. You know, that's like his big out. All right, let's talk some guest book because we got to get you out of here. I sweat Greg Garcia partly because he's from our neck of the woods and also because I love Ur- My Name's Earl, Raisin Hope, all those shows. Season two. Yeah, graduated from Frostburg. Greg Garcia only brought a couple people back from season one, including you and Suzanne, a.k.a. Honey Honey. That tells me that he must really like you guys bringing you back for season two. Well, I would hope so, unless it was some sort of sadistic thing he had going. But uh, it worked out pretty well, right? He's a sweetheart, and we had a good time. Uh, We're in his March Madness pool right now. (laughs) <laughs> um, he sets up a March Madness bracket for all the people on his shows. But, um, yeah, that was just, I was a wonderful thing that I'm super grateful for. I mean, it's so weird to end up, especially in, if you're in LA and you're not trying to get on a TV show and you do, um, it's just, it's a hilarious thing. I mean, you know what I mean? I just, never saw that happening never even really thought about it and boom there it is and it was actually really um (laughs) the writing side of it was was really fascinating and kind of informed me a lot um because we were writing to these themes you know we'd say okay this here's the scripts we got all the scripts for the season um and we need songs it was different season two because we were writing all well pretty much all the songs as opposed to the first season um and they wanted the songs to be more expressive of the show, the actual content of the show. And it was, I'd never had, well, you know what, when I was a kid, I used to write for like Nickelodeon kids and like all these weird, you know, just, I would write a lot on command then. And I hadn't done it since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a similar thing where all of a sudden it's like songs just start popping out in 30 minutes, 25 minutes you know, whatever, boom, song, song. You're like, what the hell is happening? And when you remove yourself from the equation and you're just dealing with the craft side of it, it's this really wonderful release. So there's this ease to it. I mean, and not that there weren't challenges, but it was right. so much different than sitting around being like, well, you know, I got dumped or like, how do I feel? All that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're <laughs> forest gumping your way through life. <laughs> thank you <laughs> i mean that's a beautiful thing man they used to call me i'm odell chris godfrey used to call me strange luck because weird stuff would happen remember the time i was walking to work and like the washington post pulled over and did a expose on like the walking man of waldorf yeah oh my god <laughs> and then i had like the next day they're like we're gonna come back out and i had like reporters laying like photographers laying on the ground like 50 feet up the road and I'd walk by and they'd take pictures of my shoes for the Washington Post as I walked by. Yeah. And that yep. was just totally something fucking insanely random that happened to me. And I always had like this, like Kramer from Seinfeld type stuff happen to me like that. <laughs> yeah, he's jumping now. Yeah, well, that's what I say about myself. So. All right, since yeah. this is an update show, before we got to go, update us real quick on everything you've got coming up and that you're working on, because I know you are a busy, busy cat. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I got a, uh, I'm about to go on a tour leaving on Monday for a couple, basically April and May I'm touring. In April, I'm playing uh, lead guitar, which I, you know, except for Honey Honey, I never really go out with other people's bands. And, uh, this is a friend of mine named Ruby Boots. She's wonderful. She's Australian. 
um, artists and it's kind of like dick kicking rock and roll music, which is also super, nice. like I never play that stuff, but it's really fun. And we're, you know, doing like a club run and we're playing at stagecoach um, at the end of the month, which will be a blast. Um, and then in May going out, uh, supporting friends of mine, dead horses. And uh, I'm going to do like an opening set. So I'll do my shows. And then in the summer <clears throat> I'm working, I just been producing records in LA and um, uh, working on film scoring, which has been really, oh, wow. uh, yeah, kind of like mind melting. You wouldn't believe how many people we've had on the show who have their regular music gig and then they do yeah. scoring as well. And it's yeah. like, you just can't be one thing anymore. You have to diversify in this digital age, right? You can't just be like, I'm a rock and roll musician. I play for one band. That's all I do. That, that doesn't exist right. anymore. You have to cast a wide net creatively if you want to be sustainable in this new digital world. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just, it finds you, the need finds you because you got to figure out some situation where what you can do is needed <laughs> by others. And um, I think, not that you have to be at all in a place like Los Angeles or, or Nashville or New York, but I think that kind of funnels you into these areas and say okay i have some of these skills i can i can work that i can do this and and i'm i'm and i'm assuming the other people you talk to too are drawn to it because i i'm someone who has trouble sticking with a kind of you know some sort of genre thing and if i mm -hmm. scoring things i could i could arrange for a string quartet or i could play with synths so i could do all these things it's just like an opportunity to keep learning shit you know well, I'm not moving, man. I feel like Meth Mountain is definitely going to be the next Atlanta or Seattle. Meth Hold Mountain down, is about bro. to blow. So I'm staying right here. Yeah, Meth Mountain, Tennessee. <laughs> I still can't tell you think meth is in the drug. I am absolutely saying meth is in the drug. Okay, got it. <laughs> Wait, is this the place that you invited me to stay at? <laughs> yes. Well, the reason now, now the reason that they call it that is because this count, this area of East Tennessee, actually has more meth than pretty much any place else in the country. Um, and because what? we don't do meth, we kind of tend to be a little bit of outsiders. <laughs> We're like, yeah, we don't do, we don't do meth or football, so we don't really fit in. <laughs> The way you could describe where we live is the meth lab behind the church blew up last year. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. Goodness gracious. I didn't, so, I didn't even know that. Ever... Our neighborhood is nice. Like, it's it's fine. It's just kind of one of those. Do you ever, um, like, no no judgment at all. Did you, Have you ever tried meth? Nah. I did a lot of the E yeah, and um, LSD back in the day, but I've never done meth, no. coke, um, K, any of those kind of drugs. Yeah. It's such a terrible name, like nothing, you know, I don't know, Coke sounds kind of nice, weed, okay, sweet, mushrooms, but like meth, there's just something about, like they gotta, they gotta market that differently. I, hey, maybe I'll talk to the drug dealers around here, pretty it up for you, give it a better name. We can start a big marketing split. Alright, we'll let you out of here. Ben, tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs, and we will definitely check you out when you're in Knoxville, I think you're coming here in May. Oh, I would love that. Well, will you please email me if you're if you're gonna come to the show and I get you tickets and all that. Right on, you got it. Okay, great. Um, 
Well, you know, there's the Google. You can always find me there. But um, I mainly just use Instagram. I have a website, which is Ben Jaffe, or, oh, God, Benjamin Jaffe Music, um, dot com. But right. I mainly just use Instagram, and I think that's the way for me. All righty, well, fair enough. Everybody uh, uses different platforms. I know some people who only use Twitter, and they're like, this is the best way to get my point across. I know some people like me who are still stuck in the Facebook Viper pit. I know people who only use Instagram because, I mean, it's a lot harder for somebody to, like, flip out on you on Instagram. Not that it doesn't happen. But, I mean, I just – it's so weird because these platforms are almost becoming an extension of our personality. You know, and it's it's bizarre to see this world that we're moving into. Exciting stuff. I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm, maybe I'm a crotchy old man, but I'm like, I want my CB radio back. <laughs> Let's go back to yeah. All righty, man. We're out of here. We will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my God. Here he comes again with his new girlfriend. She's a piece of trash, but he loves her Alrighty, our next guest is the fierce, creative force of nature from the Windy City. She is one half of the dynamic powerhouse, 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 known as White Mystery, a guitarist, a DJ, a writer, and so much more. We are so happy to have her back, Miss Alex White. I'm Alex. back, everybody. <laughs> hey. Hello, what is happening? It's been a while. Gosh, well, it's great to be back on your show. We catch up periodically. I don't know how many times we've chatted. A lot. Uh, over the years. Yeah, quite a few times. And, you know, White Mystery, the rock band that I play with, my brother in here in Chicago. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary, our 1,000th show, and our 10th release all on the same day uh, last April. And now we're coming up on 2019 already. So we're about to launch all of our new crazy cool projects. Uh, basically, you know, for the, the benefit of society. Uh, so people can enjoy uh, what's happening here in Chicago. And yeah, things are good. Well, let's talk about all that crazy cool stuff. Because I was saying when we started the show an hour ago... I can't mm -hmm. believe everybody we've had on the show tonight and are having on, we haven't had on for a year. We've been so busy. That's why I mm -hmm. wanted to put an update show together to have some of my favorite people back. You oh. were just going into your 10th year, and mm -hmm. we were kind of like, hey, what's going to happen? It's the 10 years mm -hmm. coming up with a white mystery experiment. We're mm -hmm. going until a year 11. Experiment is over. What's the conclusion? <laughs> and do we have 10 more years of white mystery to look forward to? You know, and what's interesting is, you know, white mystery will always exist. Um, it's not something that I feel like either one of us can 
and by either one of us, I mean my brother Francis or I, we can control it. It's a third party to ourselves. Um, but we've seen it transform a lot this year. So, for instance, uh, we went on tour with Rocky Erickson, which was super cool on the East Coast. We played all these great big shows with this psychedelic pioneer. And it was such a great experience. And we got back to Chicago and kind of said, you know what? Let's bring everything that we've learned over time from all these adventures and from all these amazing people and bring that energy back to our hometown in Chicago. And we've been setting up tons of just kind of free cultural events here. Uh, an example is that we had a pop-up roller skating rink over Valentine's Day that was free. We brought in all of these different DJs and uh, fashion designers and all these creative people we knew and, you know, had basically a pop-up roller rink for one night only for a thousand people downtown. And uh, we have Rock and Roll Market, which is the outdoor festival um, that we arrange here in Chicago and Logan Square. It's coming up on its fifth year. We book all the bands that we've played with around the Midwest and the West Coast and beyond. We bring them here to Chicago, get 60 vendors, like record dealers, jewelry designers, all these creative people. So, you know, we're white mystery is kind of changing from being that insane, aggressively touring animal machine to being kind of like an, an entity, like a cultural entity. So we're working on a book. We have more music coming out Saw that. in April. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like we're also kind of living our lives, which is really exciting. We obviously were alive while we were on tour all those years, but um, <laughs> we, were, we were distant from our roots physically, you know, being halfway around the world in Japan right. and France. And it was a great experience yeah. because we got to see the world and meet all of these incredible people. But I think that there's something also really nice about coming back to our home and being able to wear like different shoes and different clothes instead of like living out of our backpacks and our luggage and, uh, we're growing up, you know, so, and, and I think that, you know, a part of what this next chapter is, is, um, not really having as fierce rules as we had instilled upon ourselves in that first decade. That makes sense. So no longer the, um, conqueror, more like the hermit on the mountain, dispensing wisdom. <laughs> not even a hermit, but we're, we're trying to like. We're trying to be the the connective hub um, between bands from different cities and between like different like multimedia. So you know, bringing together visual artists um, and designers and and all that stuff and and just kind of like highlighting Chicago. I don't know. It's it's nice, and we're just kind of seeing how it goes after having all of these like really crazy rules and yeah, like the kind of conquering the world sort of spirit. Um, and now we're just kind of like, Hey, let's see. That thing seems kind of cool. Let's try that out. I guess we're kind of more experimental about whatever, what our capabilities are. But I think we all reached that point, right? Cause I used to do the punk rock thing and I was like insane 24 seven. And then once mm -hmm. I had a family and reached a certain age and I didn't want to completely leave this world, I was like, you know, let me put a show together 
And that way, mm-hmm. hopefully someone else down the line, the next 15-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old, whatever, can hear the bands that I enjoy, the bands that have influenced me, and the bands I've grown up listening to, and they can mm-hmm. get something out of that. And that's my way of kind of paying it forward. And that's where mm-hmm. I am creatively, next to the weaponized creativity, I'm also <laughs> on the end of, hey, let's weave this all together, this tapestry together, and put it yeah. out there mm-hmm. to kind of cover that next generation so, uh, so they can actually understand what it was about. You know how many times I've old man rambled about stapling <laughs> flyers to telephone poles pre-internet yeah. back in the 90s. So, th- you yeah, know, I kind of yeah. get that where you're just kind of shifting that creative focus. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely pretty wonderful um, in that, I don't know, it's... Uh, I don't want to call it retiring because that's not it. And we're still, you know, DJing five days in a row in Chicago and all these records that we collected worldwide, you know, basically sharing them with people at clubs and bars. And actually we have like an open mic now that we host monthly for people who might've been too nervous to perform publicly before. We're kind of giving them a platform and sort of being like, hey, guys, you know, like kind of like mom and dad, like punk rock mom and dad, like get up here, you guys, get up here and show us what you got. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's been really fun. And, you know, again, we're, we're letting it kind of organically um, metamorphosize uh, from what white mystery began as. Um, I'm open to experimentation. Uh, the, the music that we have coming out in April is our first time ever collaborating with another artist. Wow. Um, it, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So we're teaming. So we're kind of like, okay, we're coming out of our little, like, you know, imperialist Japan, um, sort of like isolationist, you know, entity that we were for a while. We're like, we're an independent band. We do everything ourselves. We're all completely self-funded, and this is how we do stuff. And now we're kind of like, hey, let's uh, collaborate with this, like, trap remix DJ and see what he can do with all of our old tracks. Let's, you know, <laughs> hook up with this. So, like, we're, we're kind of branching out. And I guess the thing that is consistent, though, is a fearlessness and that sort of spirit of independence where it's, we continue to own what we do and... Um, make our own decisions which is smart it's real smart because you might not exist today if you had gone down another road yeah and let somebody co-opt white mystery Mm -hmm. right yeah totally and you know we've seen a lot of the bands that we used to say you know were bands that we kind of mentored um who then kind of like skyrocketed past us we're like holy shit wish we you know took our own advice that we gave those guys you know we've also watched a lot of those bands dissipate or also get involved in the whole me too sort of scandal that has been happening Mm. in the music industry um which fortunately for francis and i even though we had a lot of fun and partied and you know stayed up late at night and that kind of thing while we were on tour being brother and sister and coming home basically to our mom and dad at the end of the tour every time kept us really accountable mm-hmm. and kept us out of trouble. And there were times where we're like, Oh man, look at that band. They've got this, this and that. But we realized that those might've been short term rewards. Um, that Slow really and steady can't. wins the race. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I'm really convinced of that. And I think that there's a lot of artists out there, whether they're 
playwrights or video artists or painters. And sometimes it can be so frustrating waiting out that process. But I can say that at the end of this 10-year span that it, it really, really does work and you can kind of fondly reflect on these memories um, and that you have to define success for yourself uh, on whether, you know, at the, at the end of this adventure, you know, are you, do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel like you've contributed to society? That's really up to you. Very nice. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, and it's, and, and you have a, 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 a really good uh, avenue or canvas being in a, in a city like Chicago. I know mm-hmm. um, a lot of things, yeah, a lot of things that you're doing for me, uh, living in Baltimore, there's a whole bunch of art artists and bands and people that I've either played with or looked up to or are coming mm-hmm. up and they do the same thing. So they're, they're DJs, mm-hmm. they're doing art shows, they're doing um, mm-hmm. guest spots at different uh, restaurants who are doing like charitable events, mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's just like those, you know, and it's, and it's really cool to be able to go out into different avenues because sometimes people are going to see you as a DJ. They're going to be like, oh, you, you didn't know that she, you know, she had a band too, right? And they're like, what? Yeah, check this out. Mm-hmm. It, happens a lot. It, happens, it happens a lot in Baltimore with people. They're like, oh, like uh, uh, there's a really good band, Almighty Senators. Um, they're mm. legendary. They, they were out for a while. And um, the front man, Landis, his name is Landis Expanded. And um, <laughs> he played he played drum standing up and he sang. So he's like takes like Sly and the Family Stone and Funkadelic and all of that and merge it together and, and then throw mm-hmm. some rock in it and you would get Almighty Senators. But people see him as just a DJ or they see him as an artist because he's doing an art mm-hmm. gallery showing somewhere. And I'm like, you know, he was mm-hmm. in a killer band that still plays from mm-hmm. time to time. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, Almighty Senators, check him out. And they're like, man, I did not know that was him. I was like, yeah, that's where it all started from. And then he just branched out. And, you know, you bring up such an excellent point because there are times where, you know, I am DJing to pay the bills. And I'm at a place where, like, maybe they're kind of treating me like garbage because I'm just like the little red curly-haired gal with the box of 45s. And and sometimes I want to say, you know who I am? I've traveled the world playing rock and roll. I've played on a float with Sir Richard Branson. I got him on speed dial, and you're treating me like crap. But, you know, like, I think that that's the, hum- <laughs> that's the human struggle, though, right? You know, for all of us is how we're defined um, by yeah. other people. Yeah. And, you know, you can take that to so many different levels, whether it's based on your race or your gender and the conclusions that people jump to based on your appearance or what, what role you're taking on that day. And, you know, to some people, mm-hmm. you might be a soccer mom and to other people, you might be like a community activist. You know, it's exactly. We're all exactly. struggling against, you know, what these sort of stereotypes are that, that people take on. But I think that, you know, again, that's why it's so important that you define your own success so that you can persevere um, through any of those kind of, I don't want to call them struggles, but, what would you call that? Just the overall journey. Yeah, just life, the life experience. Just, over, just life. Yeah. 
That's how I would define it. All right, before we get out of here, let's kind of pivot because I want to talk about the new album. I know you haven't made the official announcement yet, but what Mm -hmm. can you tell us about it, and can you tell us the name of it? Sure. Well, let's see. Um, When does this air? (laughs) This is airing Friday. (laughs) Okay, cool. So, um, like all years, this new music will come out on April 20th. It'll be... The 11th year of White Mystery releasing new music on that day. Um, for all of our fans out there, you'll be able to access it through Bandcamp, of course, and all of the popular digital streaming platforms like Spotify, iTunes, etc. And what I can tell you, um, exclusively to Tin Can Media, uh, coming out on Friday, is that it is a collaboration with a gentleman named Uncle Funkel. Uh, who I like it is, already. <laughs> he's an L.A. and New York-based musician. Um, his claim to fame is a band called White Fang, who are good pals of ours. And um, White Fang, even uh, one of their super cool projects that you can check out online is that they have a Comedy Central pilot uh, that came out oh, recently. Wow. That's Yeah, so they, they're big time. But they're totally just like scuzzy DIY people um, who are originally from Portland who moved to LA and opened a record store called NAR Tapes, G-N-A-R, NAR as in gnarly. And uh, we're big admirers of of, um, Uncle Funkle's work and a lot of his solo projects. And we said, you know what? We've done a hundred white mystery tracks and all these albums and everything. It'd be really cool to see what someone can do with all of that. So we handed over some of our favorite songs to Uncle Funkle, and he has uh, electronicified them into Ooh. DJ mixes. So for the people who love our song, Buttheads from Mars, and that kind of thing, you're going to hear a totally fresh take on, on those tracks. They're, it's almost more like um, workout and aerobic music now than maybe headbanging. Uh, it's really <laughs> cool. We're super excited about it, and it kind of circles back to us just trying new things. You know what I mean? Every year we go to the studio and we bang out a new album. We wanted to see what we could do different and keep our fans uh, guessing as the years go by. Right on, man. That sounds right. amazing. All right. You know, and I was reading today... Uh, about your lineage and how many albums you have out and you have a, a hundred plus songs and mm-hmm. i'm thinking like with that crazy catalog how are you mm-hmm. even picking songs when you go out and play live <laughs> and is that changing up depending on the state you're in and the venue or do you kind of just put down a set list and roll with that all tour well the set list is ever changing there's always the kind of staple songs that we love to play like Double Dragon and Birthday and Power Glove, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I kind of, you know, on one hand, our mom is like, can't you stop playing those songs? You've been playing them for 10 years, like that uh-huh. kind of thing. But, but, you know, I think a lot of people would be sort of disappointed if they went to go see like the Rolling Stones and they didn't play Satisfaction. You'd kind of be like, okay, why did I just like, you know, spend 120 bucks to see the Stones and they're not playing their hits. And plus, Honestly, for us, it's still really fun to play those songs. They fucking rock, yeah. you know? Like, so we, we play our hits, and then um, we do, at the end of the set, invite people to yell songs at us, besides Freebird, of course. 
Um, and we will play. I'm sure you get a lot of free bird. Every audience <laughs> has those dudes. Um, we, we will play like white mystery songs upon request. Cause you're always sort of surprised by which ones people want to hear. Like there is a song called dead inside. Um, that was on one of our first albums. And that's one that people yell out to us. We're like, okay, cool. You know, that's in demand. And then, yeah, depending on how long of a set we're asked to play, we'll weave in some really deep, weird cuts. And um, this year, uh, twice, actually, in August, and then recently in January, we played 90-minute White Mystery sets. And wow. that includes, yeah, so that was, a third of our songs. We played about 35 songs. Cool. Exhausting. Ooh, yeah. And, and we played them with the same sort of like crazy energy that we play a 30 minute set. So you can imagine like it, it, it's like a whirlwind of songs. And I really hope that one day, you know, considering how many albums we have out that, you know, a lot of festivals have bands and invite them to do like iconic albums. And I think that, Double Dragon, which we did in 2014, is a great example of that. Blood and Venom, which was our uh, 2012. You know, we have so many of these great albums with great art. It would be really cool to, like, feature one and play the whole, the whole thing all the way through. Play the whole album. Yeah. That would be cool. And, the last... and you know, really... Uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna... Sure. I was just going to say really quick something I just remembered is that, you know, we had put out that White Mystery That Was Awesome movie. Right. Um, back in 2015, and we've kept like a real tight wrap on it. Um, it never came out on DVD. We just screened it in movie theaters and at film festivals. You can't really get it anywhere. Um, and it was. Is it on your sense. website? Because I thought I watched it on your website. The back trailer back. is. Um, I had watched the whole thing somewhere. I thought. We might have maybe sent you a private link, and for a period of time, we had it available for download. Maybe it was on um, Vimeo or something. Yeah, I'm, I've definitely yeah. saw the whole movie. Okay, it's you know, and it's a feature length film too. It's like a you know long psychedelic film, and sometimes I tr- I just watch the reactions of the audience. I'm like, what could they possibly be thinking about? Like how right now, how freaking <laughs> crazy and out of our minds and bizarre. And when we tell people we made the, you know, the movie for $5,000, they're like, yeah, I can see that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very, very low budget. Anyway, we're super excited because the Chicago Public Access cable TV channel, Can TV, picked it up. And it's going to be like oh, wow. in rotation until like infinity on public access TV, which means that this bizarre psychedelic horror comedy dramedy that we made um, will be accessible to people for free on television. So we're pretty I'm just blown away that. public access even still exists. I can't believe there's still public <laughs> access. That's crazy to me. In Chicago, yeah. In Chicago, you know, we've, we've got a sophisticated kind of media sort of, you know, thing happening here. So uh, mm-hmm. it still exists. Yep. Oh, my God. Me and Pickle, because it's kind of like the YouTube of its day. Me and Pickle used to just get high, trip, three in the morning, turn on public <laughs> access. And this kid had this um, show on. 
where he would just show us his T-shirt collection. He had like 150 <laughs> metal T-shirts. He was like, "Here's my Motley Crue White Snake 1987 tour shirt," and it it was just meaningless. I don't think I've ever laughed harder in my life watching those That's public access incredible. shows. High and tripping, and, you know. All right, you I gotta have, bring that guy back. Bring him back. Yeah, I got to come out there and watch some public oh. access for sure. I can't. I, I am actually stunned that public access still exists anywhere on this planet. That is beautiful yep. to me. <laughs> I have got to hit this last thing before we get you out of here. Because last time I had you on, I told you how much I loved Mars Death Pack. And then yeah. we haven't had you on. We didn't have you on last year for some reason. We've been so busy. But on your last album, Hellion Blender, <laughs> Francis has two spoken words and a rap on there. And I'm like, man, I am fucking dragging my feet. I have got to have Francis on because his writing just blows me away. You should have Francis on. He's, you know, he's the kind of silent but violent half of white mystery. Uh, He's extremely poetic. And uh, I've been urging him to get more of his poetry out there. It's so sensory rich. And we really wanted to kind of highlight, you know, in Double Dragon hit, that was like the first appearance of one of his monologues. Right. Um, And as time went by, it became increasingly important to kind of give his writing a platform. And that's why on Hellion Blender, we kind of stripped away all the music and just let them exist as spoken word tracks. And those songs, one is called Disco Ball and the other is called part de, which means right. part two in French. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of tune into those and there's no instruments. It's just spoken word. And there's a little bit of like vocal effect happening on the second one. And then, yes, there's the unlucky 13 rap that he does that is brilliant and super fast and really, really fun. And I'm glad you guys appreciate that because he, yeah. he deserves oh, yeah. He deserves the praise. He works really, really hard. Uh, well, he has props for me as a writer, and he has a great stream, um, stream, yes, stream of consciousness. There you go, Nick. I knew you could do it. A great stream of <laughs> consciousness, man. I just I listen to that stuff in awe. So that's why I had to bring it up on this episode. Thank you. I'm, I'll tell him that too. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we got to get you out of oh. here because we've got another guest coming up. Please tell okay. everybody where they can find the wonderful world of white mystery on the interwebs. <laughs> Sure. Well, you can find White Mystery at whitemystery.com, W-H-I-T-E-M-Y-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And then, of course, on Instagram, at White Mystery Band. And the pre-orders, when do those start for the album coming out 420? Uh, You know what? Keep your eyes peeled. We'll probably just kind of drop it when we feel like it. Fair enough. All right, Alex. Always a complete pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you and best wishes to you all. Thanks for checking in with us and keep doing what you're doing too. Right on. Awesome. Thank you.
All righty, kitties. Our last guest of the evening is one of the grooviest cats I know. He is a cross between John Waters, Gomez Adams, and Dr. Frankenstein, leader of the angry army of atomic Superman, calling in from a secret lair at Detmock Studios, the unstoppable Lee Presson. Lee, what's up? Good evening, everyone. How you doing? I'm Lee hey. Presson. Hi, hey. how are you? We Good. are doing awesome. Nice to meet you, man. Oh, yes, yeah, you hello. weren't on last time we talked with Lee. We had Fern on here because you were gone on some family emergency type stuff. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So it's a pleasure. So, Lee, meet Odell, our regular co-host. Hello. <laughs> hey, finally good to I'm talk so to glad, you. I'm so glad everything's uh, better. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we are yeah. all moving on. You know, it's crazy, too, because it's been a year since I've talked to you, and I've said this a lot tonight as we strung this um, update episode together because I wanted to get some of my favorite people back, and we just didn't have the scheduling time to do it, you know, one person per episode anymore. How have you been dealing with, like, your sinister mad scientist musical mind dealing with this new, like, fake news, alt-reality, 24-hour Trump Twitter tantrum world we've all been propelled in? How is, like, Lee Presson dealing with this new world? <laughs> My entertainment is presented from a different decade. This, this, this stuff doesn't concern me. Talk to me about Eisenhower. <laughs> I would love to talk to you about Eisenhower. I wonder what Eisenhower would think of his Republican Party today. Oh man, oh, he would be. Uh, I think he would be upset. <laughs> you think? Yeah. He would. He that's would rise from his grave, and we'd only have to bury him again. Oh, that, maybe that's <laughs> what we need to do: is run zombie Eisenhower next election. Now we're talking. Alrighty. So, how are things going over there in the lab? Um, are you still producing electronic music? I haven't seen much going on on your Patreon lately, so I haven't really been keeping up. Oh well, yes, yes, of course. I'm always tinkering in here. Uh, however, uh, the band just finished playing a convention last weekend, Clockwork Alchemy. Whoa. Yeah, I saw massive pictures and videos, and you know. When I'm watching those videos and I'm watching those pictures, or I'm looking at those pictures of you, especially that cover picture you posted on your personal um, Facebook page, oh, the that. first, yeah, that first thought that goes through my mind was like, man, if Lee lives to be 50, 60, 100, I am convinced no matter what age he lives to, he is going to just drop and die on stage. That's my prediction. That's, that's the plan. I've, I've done it a few times, in fact. <laughs> Yeah, I totally um, predict that you're just going to drop. Your, you've got that Alice Cooper quality. I think you're just going to drop on stage. You are so animated. And so, like, I, it, it just every time I watch you, it just reminds me of that old Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck. Or not Donald. Is it Donald Duck or Daffy Duck? Is it Donald? Daffy? Daffy. Uh, Daffy. Yes. Daffy Duck. Donald yeah. Disney. That old routine yeah. where he can never, like, upstage Bugs Bunny until he drinks the nitroglycerin and blows himself up. And then he's yeah. kind of like, well, you can only do it once, but the whole audience loves it. Like, that's what that <laughs> reminds me of when I watch your performance um, videos I saw from Clockwork Alchemy. I can do it every show, Daffy, you amateur. He is an amateur. Poo on him. So tell us about <laughs> yeah. uh, Clockwork Alchemy. exists in three dimensions. Okay. You have a lot of anger towards Daffy Duck. No, no, of course. <laughs> yes, yes, I hate ducks. You dragged it out of me. My, my one weakness. 
It's the National Enquirer of podcasting. We got it out of Lee right on every front cover. So tell us about the show because it looked like it was Chuck Jones who once said that uh, Bugs Bunny is who we want to be. Daffy Duck is who we probably are. Or Elmer Fudd or or Ted Nugent, Yosemite Sam. I think think Ted Nugent is the closest you can come to Yosemite Sam in three dimensions. Far be it for me to edit Chuck Jones's quote. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about what you have coming up because this is an update show. And I know you told me you guys are at least in the planning stages of putting together a 25th anniversary album, right? That's true. Yes. You've, you've answered your own question. We, we, that, is the, that is what's been happening. We have been around for 25 years. And so we thought we should commemorate that somehow. And we are taking steps to go into the studio this year. God, how do you even process such a thing? I've never done anything except breathe for 25 years. I've never been that consistent with a creative project. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. It's very much like breathing. You, you hit it right on the head. The energy that you put out on that is it just is it just from the love of doing putting doing shows? Do you do you? I, I guess my question is, do you enjoy doing shows or recording more? Oh, uh, oh, it's got to be shows. Of course, you know, yeah. being in a room with a whole bunch of people and we're all doing the same thing, we're all enjoying the same thing at the same time, you know, that's that's just fun. And I love this music, and the more people I can expose it to, the better. That's why I'm doing this. Do you feel like the um, type of music you're doing, is it gaining momentum? The last time I talked to you was probably a year and a half, almost two years ago. Do you feel like everything's yeah. gaining momentum? Because we're in a place now, politically, that's so dark. I feel like people are just trying to have fun. Like that's the main thing on the menu right now. It's like, let's go have some fun because everything, like when you turn on your TV is so bleak. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling the songs of the 1930s are going to be making a big comeback (laughs) because the majorities of those, like the majorities of, of those, you know, once you sort through the, um, I will always be true as I pitch woo at you. You've got that. But the other part of this, the whole majority of songs from the 30s are like, please be happy. The great, great depression will be over soon. And the clouds will soon roll by. That's right. I forgot. That is um, Great Depression, right? 1929 to yep. about 1935 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's true, man. Oh that music God. brings mm-hmm. out, like, the, really the create those kind of times that we were just talking about this with Alex, really brings out, like, the creative momentum. And I think yeah. that's why people gravitate towards that stuff now. I I sing I sing Pennies from Heaven. I've been singing it for um for since day one, and we do a very happy version of it. But it's originally sang as a ballad because when you listen to the lyrics, uh, I think I think the lyrics uh would be very helpful for the audiences of today. It goes like, uh, Every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains? Pennies from heaven, you'll find your fortune falling all over town. Make sure that your umbrella is upside down. Trade it for a package of sunshine and flowers. If you want the things you love, you must have showers. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. me there me, you me. go. Nice. It's going to rain awesome. every once in a while. Things are going to be bad, but you know, 
you know, it's just around, yeah. the, you know, prosperity is just around the corner. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. Well, I mean, and is that how you kind of navigate through life? Because I got you on my Facebook and sometimes you'll post political. Sometimes it'll be in a tongue in cheek way. Sometimes it'll be a more serious way. Is that kind of mm-hmm. like how you suffer through because you are so steeped in that great depression era where people were like pennies for heaven, like, you know, pardon yep. me, can you spare a dime type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I I've been because it's I've been researching that. I remember the last time this happened as a country, you know. <laughs> so, what do you think the takeaway is? What would you tell the kids today, or the people probably even my age are kind of freaking out and going, "Dude, we are in a strange new world. We've never seen this before." I've never seen this before either. I don't think anyone has ever seen this before. We've got. We've got the we've got the kind of 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 division that has been brewing through the late 30s, but they didn't have no internet, and they didn't have no instant communications. So this is like if if we are if we are if we are going back and reliving that time, it's going to be happening a lot faster. I have a feeling that it's and it's going to be seen. Like, like you said, there's, it's, it's visual. It's actually there and people, oh, yeah. it's, it's, the revolution it's, it's will be televised. <laughs> That's it. It's in your face and people still are like, nope, nope, it's not happening. Nope. Well, the revolution nope, will be nope. Snapchatted and tweeted. I don't know about televised yep. anymore. I mean, you'll probably have like purge cam you can watch on your freaking computer. I, I try to keep, I, I try to keep politics off the stage we try to make it not part of our show uh, because, mm-hmm. in in my opinion, there's there's nothing more boring than an entertainer on stage droning on and on about politics. <coughs> Bono. <coughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, whenever a, a, an election uh, rolls around, I always tell them, I don't tell them who to vote for, but I do tell them to get out and vote because I think that's important. Yeah, but even like yeah. we live in such a hyper-partisan world now that even saying get out and vote, you'll get shot back like, well, we know who you're saying to vote for, Lee. We know what your all what your politics are all about. Even that is seen as political defiance. Yeah. Just uh, making that I play statement. the music of the nineteen forties. I happen to think that Nazis are bad. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. that like, I know Facebook just released a thing that they're taking um they're gonna block white supremacist speech now. And like the comment threads are just blowing up of what a tyranny. Like we live in Zuckerberg's tyranny now because we can't <laughs> yeah, put up yeah. hate memes. This just in Nazis uh, are bad. <laughs> Who would have ever thought a war about this? The whole world got involved. Yeah, it's crazy, man. You say you're right. We've never seen this before. All right, let's pivot back real quick to the 25th annual album. I know it's still kind of in its infancy. Are you going to be bringing back old players on that, or is it just going to be the group you're with now? Do you, can you give us any kind of details of what you have in mind? I have mm-hmm. had a lot of nails over the past 25 years. I think altogether, counting substitute players, I have had over 135 nails. Um, Jesus, you the, can't the, go anywhere without running into one. Probably. You can't go to the deli <laughs> without running into a nail at this point. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm sure it hurts. But um, but the lineup I've got now is probably the best lineup I've ever had, and I need to get them into the studio. And <clears throat> over the years, we've had a few 
concept albums, which I thought were funny at the time. We had a Latin album and we put out a ballroom album, but we're not doing any of that. This is this is. Um, Can I say balls in your face? Because I love saying that every time you bring up the ballroom album. Sure. Yes. Yes. You can say that. Balls in your face. There you go. As a matter of fact, you could even say it again if you wanted to. Oh, or perhaps a third time. But that's Uh, it. Okay. uh, Two (laughs) times is is perfect. Three times is overkills. Balls in your face. Go on, Lee. Back to you. Yes. Exactly. So I'm gonna. So it's gonna be. It's gonna be what we do best, which is you know some some pipe hitting some pipe hitting swing with a sinister tone. Right on. So are you bringing back any of those old players, or is it just straight with the group you're with now, the nails you have now? Ah, group I'm with now. And and some I'll tell you that some of them have been with me for a very long time. So really, what's your got, longest? Oh, let's see. Well, Mark Donnelly has been with me for over twenty years. Uh, Stuart's been with me for over fifteen years. Um, wow. Yeah, there are some that have been with me for over ten years, and some that have been with me for about five or six. Uh, but the the lineup I've had now. Um, we've we've had for a while and so we're very we're very tight it sounds yeah. like it that you find that the more and more that the band goes on the more and more you're keeping people and you're not getting as much turnover um yeah yeah and the great thing about it is as as um i get older the the caliber of musician that i work with gets better because my my the nails are getting older and I can now throw more sophisticated charts at them, and we don't need to rehearse as much. Uh, last show, we pre- we premiered a brand new tune, and we had no rehearsal at all. I just I just threw the sheet music at them and said, "Here, play this," and they, wow. they did. And it was good. Yeah, that's got to be a, a comfortable little ditty place from to 1937. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's a little awesome. ditty from 1937 entitled "Mr. Ghost Goes to Town." So. <laughs> And we are we are at the time we are at the place where uh, if we're at a, we're at an arrangement and somebody makes a mistake they get lost they skip a measure they're in the wrong place the rest of the band can go back and pick him up and 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 sync up again I can just say <laughs> okay add two measures here go and they do it and it's perfect you know one thing oh, I always tell D. And we have this conversation a lot whenever we're watching like an older movie or Boardwalk Empire or anything like that. I'm like, man, yeah. I was really fucking born in the wrong era. I sure. wish I was born the turn of the 20th century and I was in my 20s in the 20s because I want to live in an era where you got dressed up to go to the movies and go into a carnival was this big, exciting production and everything was new and people were kind of, like yep. people had style and they were straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really have a longing for a time that I was never in. I feel like I'm a man out of time in some ways. You kind of feel that same way. Yeah, there's there's you look for stuff to do in an age where there's no television. Yeah, and True. everything is exciting. Just like going and getting popcorn at the carnival is a big deal. And it really drove it home. I remember um, one of my fondest memories, and Odell, you were there. Andy Dorsey had a pajama jammy jam because Captain 20 was playing all the old Cross Superstar shows. So we all yeah, partied and yeah. did our thing. It was an all-night thing. It like started at like midnight and ran to like 7 a.m. the next day or something. And I was like, that would be impossible today because if you want to watch HR Puff and stuff, you just YouTube it. So who would go to yeah. such a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. My 
my father told me about all these weird TV shows from the 50s that he used to watch as a kid and enjoy, and they were never saved. They're lost to time. However, you know, my, uh, if our children can, if we can tell them about shows that we loved, and they can go look them up. So yep. we're living in a wonderful age. And they had bizarre and shows then, and, when we were little, too. I remember watching Big John, Little John on Saturday mornings and the kids from Caper. And, um, oh, God, what was it? Like um, One Banana, Two Banana, Three Banana Group, the Banana Splits. Was that what they were called? Banana Splits, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Banana they're coming. Split, yeah. yeah. And I just feel they're like that magic. Hmm? I feel like that magic can never be captured again. I mean, you can go out and do what you do, and you can capture that like in a bottle for a moment. But actually yeah, living yeah. in that era, that's lost forever. And I don't think people understand that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there have been technological advances that I could not lead the band without. <laughs> I mean, you could. That's you could do what too. you're doing today in the 20s. I could. You have 25 the years ago. 25 years ago, I gave them new songs by handing them cassette tapes. Oh, God. And now I can just, mm-hmm. just email them sheet music. <laughs> yeah. We do that. We do that at my the church that I play with. If if you're playing a song that you know you, you you practice all week, and all of a sudden the guitars are playing something a little different than the keys, they just run over to the printer real quick. They're like, "Oh, hold on for a second. Here you go. Yeah. Here's the new sheet music with the updated with the updated stuff that you need." And we you just keep on you move on without no worries. Like you said before, you would have to dig it up and make copies or, you know, do all this. Now they can just be like, Oh, no, here you go. Do, do, do. There it is. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah I, um, mm-hmm. I just joined a dance. They hate when I call it a troop, but I just joined, joined a dance. And if I have to miss, um, a practice for some reason, I can, j- they just send it to me on the band app and I can watch the video on YouTube and learn the steps and I'm right there with them. I mean, it's amazing how technology really, even even something as simple as this podcast, it's amazing how I can go back and edit and cut and upload and people across the world can share in the beauty and the magic that is creation. It's it's kind of amazing. Kind of magic. Greetings from sunny San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> she definitely keeps me grounded. I think the takeaway from this episode, Lee, is out of all of us, I am the most crotchety old man <laughs> of this whole group. That's like, damn, that technology. Maybe. I'm just better at it is all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's good, though, because otherwise... I think it's I think it's harder to share things, especially with um, the generation of kids that are are young now. I think it's harder to share things with them unless they can find it in a, in a digital format. I mean, I really feel like the nails and well, you and the nails um, bring this flavor of sound to these kids that they wouldn't hear otherwise. I mean, they just they wouldn't have any interest in in the old stuff. I mean, but well, Lee encapsulates that does. era, and that's what pulls it off. They couldn't do it without that personality. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Oh, definitely. I love it. We have a ve- we have a very wide range in audience. We of course we have we have old people who really enjoy us because they remember this stuff, and we have the we have the the ma- population at large, which you know they think we're neat. But my favorite portion of the population is the kids. I love it when someone under like six or seven will come to a show and i the first thing i say ask them after they after 
I asked them if they liked the show was, do you like this kind of music? Because I want more kids to know what swing and jazz is. Are they intimidated? Because you must seem like a rock star up there to somebody who's six or seven years old. They usually have their... (laughs) Um, A few years ago, we were playing a a steampunk convention, and it was an all-ages show, and there were kids there, and we were enjoying this. And we were playing uh, material from Balls in Your Face, our ballroom album, available on Amazon and iTunes. (laughs) And... We did a couple of waltzes and a polka, and we were just about ready to to do Palm Springs Jump. And um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I kind of forgot that I still had the mic up. And I said to the band, okay, enough of this ballroom crap. Let's do some ball, let's do some goddamn jazz. Oh, geez. (laughs) I'm sure the kids have heard um, worse on the old interwebs. There are any, any children who heard me just say that, that the way to pronounce it is goddamn jazz. Yes. Nice. No angry parents shaking their fist. No, you see, you see that the key to jokes like that is to go so far that they have no choice but to assume you're joking. There and you then go. At, at the end of the show, we were vamping for Gigolo, and this little, this like four year old girl was just sitting right at the edge of the stage, looking up. And I go, "Hi, how are you? What would you like to hear? We're gonna play one more. Would you like to hear some more goddamn jazz?" And she says yes, and so we did another song. Oh my god, that's so Good cute! Good thing she didn't repeat it back it. to you. Yes, that's awesome. damn jazz now. I will talk to their kids, but if they say it to me, that's that's a problem. That's going too far. <laughs> All right, I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> Lee, tell everybody where we can find you on the Google machine. Hey, come and see me on Facebook and Snapchat and Insta Chat and Insta Snap and and Snaptogram and all that all that kind of stuff. I'm there somewhere, and of course, you can all be found. The links can all be found at LeePressOn.com. That's w.leepresson.com at internet.computer. And what do you have coming up? You got any big shows coming up the next few weeks? Oh, geez. July 13th, we are making our triumphant return to the Queen Mary in Long Beach. Right on. All righty, man. Any local listeners, go check that out. Lee, thanks so much. It is always a lot of fun having you on. Yes, Lee. Thank you. All right. Nice nice talking to you kids and keep on swinging. Take care of that Silk Road. All right. (laughs) So long. All righty. (laughs) We got to get Dan on the line here so we can do a quick segment and talk about the coming documentary. Odell, I've got to get with you. We have got some interviews to do, and I think we're going to put together a pretty cool thing. I think it's going to be awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. And I think my old man prostate will hold out where I don't have to pee again before the end of the show. All righty. Well, I will call him right now. Uh, Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. I think you're the first person who said that you're doing fantastic today. So that's a good thing. Oh, wow. Since Dan always calls people from his show and doesn't edit that part out, I am going to stay true to Dan's concept after being on the air two hours and not even, like, edit it out and then do an intro. We are just going to start talking because we have Dan from the Southern Maryland Guitar Gurus on the line. What's up, dudes? What's happening tonight? What's going on, man? (laughs) Um, but if I had to introduce you, I would introduce you as the guy that 
is fucking doing everything right. Because I got to tell you, man, especially 18 episodes in, and I know I've said this on air before, you guys have this stuff clocked. You've already got sponsors, and the word's getting out, and you've got this huge following. And um, we're going to talk about the documentary, but I had I always have to give you your props, because I've been doing this for, God, five years now? And you have six years, mm-hmm. and you have just clocked this right out the gate. Well, dude, thanks so much for those compliments, man. That's pretty huge coming from you guys, man. That's awesome. I really do appreciate it. But, man, I'm I'm just a big talk radio guy in general, and I've been listening to sports talk radio for 10-plus years, and I took their concept of how they entertain people, and then I decided to focus on the local music scene down here and being an ex-music industry guy myself. I had connection to brands to bring in that aspect of of entertainment to the show, and it's just catching fire, and we're just going and plowing through, man, and I'm just doing my thing. Let me ask you something completely off the cuff here. Do you think the person, like the personability of what you do, would that get tarnished if you just kind of pivot and did what we did and just started talking to Fred Snyder? Do you think you wouldn't, it wouldn't be as effective if you were just like casting that wide net to all these known? artists or do you think part of the charm is is that you are keeping it local and that's one of the elements that makes it so successful yeah it and i'm doing what i'm trying to promote the local bands down here that are starting out that don't have the the presence of mind to promote themselves right to help them out and get them a platform where everybody's cued in in the scene is going to tune into our program and we're given access to everybody that has a legitimate band. You just, you know, we we do. We have some criteria, but I mean, as you're a legitimate band that's playing shows, we want you on our show. You know, have you had we to turn people down? If people wrote you and been like, you know, I'm in a uh, waiting pool, and here's our two demos. Like we do covers of um, Bon Jovi and Winger, and you're like, yeah, dude, you're gonna have to like play some shows and get back with us. No, 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 not really. We haven't got any really, there hasn't really been any um, wankers yet, man. It's been really cool. Um, it's been really, really successful. I mean, I, I do my checking out on people, you know, but everybody around here is legitimate. I knew them from my days at working at the guitar shop. I know these guys. Okay. So I'm in the scene. So it's just that that's the other thing that makes it authentic. They know that I worked at, I managed a guitar shop. They know that I know the people I've been to NAMM. I've done this all that deal, dude. I've been to guitar factories. Um, you know, I, I do have credentials, so I do have that authority. You know, if you want to call it that, you know. So it's just not some guy. Well, I wasn't talking about your end. I was just talking about like everybody trying to jump on board, even if they haven't even played a show yet. No, no, you know, dude. That's the other thing about the scene down here. Um, it's with the, these guys that the bars are pretty picky down here. They just don't have anybody down here and. And I can, you can check anybody out because you got to have a Facebook page to even come on the show. You know, we have to promote it that way. So no one's, no one's going to waste their time and create a Facebook page and and I won't find out they're not a band, you know? (laughs) Well, let's kind of move on to the documentary because we've been on air for two hours and Odell, what are you on? Like the 20th hour of your day? You've been flying all over the place trying to make it to Providence. It's been nuts, man. It's uh, for for uh, an hour and a half flight to get changed and make it a seven hour day, man, this is uh, a <laughs> it's it's been a Damn. trek. 
Yeah, yeah. Adele's a trooper, and it's I'm complaining because, like, I'm missing my um, Wednesday night shows. And Odell's like, I was sitting in an airport in Chicago for like three hours doing research because you know, that <laughs> got diverted over there because what's going on with the Jets now. All right, let's talk about yeah. some um, documentary stuff. I have finally, after years, and I think one of the things that was really the catalyst for me was putting up this Rufus Waldorf page. And everybody who listens to the show knows the whole history of that. And I had all these great videos from Wilmers and from Heisman's and from all the places that we used to haunt back in the day. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do a documentary. I'm kicking myself now that Wilmers has been pretty much um, torn to the ground. There's nothing left but a field there now. I wish I would have jumped on this earlier, but I would have, could have, should have, I guess. Um, but now I feel like is a time. I have the resources and the time and the kind of job where I can get away and come to Maryland for a few weeks and shoot this. Let's talk about the documentary. What do you guys expect? What do you think we should be doing? I don't even have a name yet. We are told I'm just now starting to reach out to people and put this together. Like, throw some ideas at me and tell me what direction you think we should be going in with this. I would name well, I it Wilma, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just Wilma. Or you can even man. do like we got you know, Waldorf to Wilmers or something like that. That would be pretty cool. Well, I thought um, about oh. Worldwide Waldorf, but then I didn't want to, like, have good Charlotte's, like, lawyers fucking calling me or something. Okay. Oh, I got one. Oh, I got one. We have to incorporate the Stardust because that's where Kicks got signed. <laughs> that's Wilmer right, Stardust. man. We should call it the Stardust. <laughs> the, Stardust the Stardust years. Yeah, but it has to be, like, from dusk to Stardust or, like, something like that or, like... Yeah, you know I'm saying the Stardust years, the su Southern Maryland music. I don't know, something like that. That would be cool, man. The Stardust years. Mm -hmm. something. I don't know. You gotta play. You or gotta you could take. Stuff. Yeah, you could take one of the titles from the either like the uh, yeah, just sort of like combine you know the shows that you threw at Wilmer's too. So you could do like you know Wicked Sunset Jam. Like yeah, like Sunset to Stardust or something like that, or Stardust to Sunset. Hey, that's not bad. You know, yeah, something you know, something where you can tie all of that in, or from Guardian to Stardust or something like that. You know, something where it sort of oh, yeah. uh, encapsulates you know everything that was you know there. So, huh? Interesting. So, like, yeah, okay, all right, all right. The wheels are turning. The hamster is. <laughs> Moving at a slow pace. So, interview-wise, now, the reason that me and you, Dan, we started talking because Kevin was like, hey, you got to reach out to my buddy Dan. He's starting a podcast. He wants some advice. And now, in retrospect, I feel foolish giving you advice because your show is like a fucking atom bomb. And I'm like, man, I didn't have to give this guy any advice. He's running on instinct. He knows what he's doing. But um, you kind of know the metal guys, the more Quaid guys from back in that day. Chris Lane, of course, you play with him now. And that sector, and I kind of know the more punk indie guys, and I was like, man, it would just be cool to kind of divide this movie up and get it from different perspectives. Well, the cool thing is, speaking of the devil, is, is um, I actually got Mike Stacy coming on my show next week to talk about the Sam Bro Band. So what I will do is talk to him, too, and, and get him on board with everything next week. And then I already got Gene set up, too, so we're good there. So that, And then I just got to get um, Willett but I can get a hold of him pretty quickly too when everything's ready too. So I got three of the guys. Nice. 
Yeah, and I know Colin right. from Crash Course. If you guys remember those guys from back in the day, it was like him and Mike Garlic and all those guys. And I, you know, I got Eric Yeomans I could talk to about Tempered Steel and like guys down that road. Here's the thing, though, man. We've done a lot of these musical osmosis episodes, and I had when we moved everything over to the network. I shared the Wilmers show again on my buddy Darren's page. And I was like, hey, man, because they were talking about Wilmers. And I was like, well, I'm a P.T. Barnum, shameless, self-promoter type guy. Let me stick the link over there. And it fucking went viral, dude. And I actually saw the link coming up on my page from people I didn't know, like coming over my feed. Like, oh, check, but they were tagging people I knew. And I was like, holy shit, dude, that's my show coming from people I don't know, tagging other people I do know. And that show had like 10,000 downloads. And then we did a couple Waldorf Worldwide shows talking about the Waldorf music scene. And they didn't do as well as that, but they still had a lot of traffic. And I was like, man, there is a an actual nationwide interest in this scene. Because my worry was always like, and it's, you know this, Odell, every time we have like JR mm-hmm. on from Next Step Up or Warlock or Jason from Misery Index and Dying Fetus. I'm like, man, did we romanticize those Wilmer Park days? Was there like a million Wilmer's Parks? in the 80s and 90s all over the country going on and we just thought our scene was special because we were in the frame but then it's like you see the movement that that episode have and those waldorf episodes have and those videos i put up and it's like man dude something special was going on right well wilmer's park is a special place in its own right so um there's a lot of history there just straight off the bat and yeah i mean they were in maximum rock and roll yeah, yeah. I mean, Wilmer's was the spot. I remember going there and seeing shows, you know, well, some shows didn't get put on because things broke out and stuff, but, um, but uh, you know, going there, and I just remember hearing stories from even, like, my dad, you know, because he, he lived, he grew up in Bowling Green, Virginia, so they would come over the bridge and go to uh, stuff down in Charles County and at Wilmer's because that's where all the African-Americans could go. So they saw a lot of entertainers over there um, uh, when he was like a teenage, well, when he was like, a, like 19, 20, 21 and stuff before he, you know, went off to Vietnam and all that good stuff. But um, so he used to talk about, you know, Wilmer's Park. And I remember when I told him that we were playing there, he was like, what? And that's when he started telling me all these different names and bands and groups that used to come through there. And I was like, holy cow. So you think like a 20-year-old in Wichita and a 40-year-old in Cheyenne and a 30-year-old in Austin, all of them are going to be interested in this story? Why wouldn't they? I mean, if you look at most of the documentaries that come out now um, on musicians, I mean, some of them are, of course, on musicians that that are, you know, legendary. But there's a lot of stories and, and things that people watch just to be like, oh, wow, you know, that's very similar to something that we had here. That's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see why it wouldn't be something that wouldn't, it's, as long as it's interesting um, and it shows all aspects, which fortunately, you know, coming from Charles County, you have everything. You have metal. You had go. I think you interviews with Pat Sheehan and Burson and Chris Godfrey, and then pivoting over to like the more technical guys, and then pivoting over to the more metal guys. That can't help but be interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. I right. mean, I, I think you should, and yeah. you got to market it right to get those guys. You know, I was just sitting mm-hmm. here thinking, listening while y'all were talking, that dude, the history of the music in the nation's capital in this whole area. 
is something else. So maybe we should market it as film, like in the shadow. It's like in the shadow of the Capitol, the Wilmer's years or something. You know what I mean? You gotta that is so it much it more better. Yes, the shadow of the yeah, Capitol. Yeah. The Capitol. Right, and just have I mean, a silhouette think- of a guy with a guitar or something. Make it like you got to yeah. make it like a statement piece. So people go, holy shit, I got to watch this, man. This is the whole nation's capital, yeah. this whole underground scene that I had. Everybody would be on board to hear about that, man. Because, dude, the scene down here, dude, I've, we've all talked to a bunch of different people. We know we have something cool here, and it's always been cool. I mean, Danny Gatton, dude, that's enough said right there. I mean, that guy. Mm-hmm. And then all the other acts. I mean, we created Go-Go in D.C., we That's created true. it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we know what we're doing, and unfortunately, the cocksuckers in Hollywood have stolen our city and just deported it to New York and L.A. and, and Tennessee. <laughs> and now we have and nothing. That's, to that's always, yeah. And that's <laughs> always been the history of D.C. D.C. has always been that. I mean, like, if you go and you look at what uh, um, punk rock was and punk and hardcore was in New York, it wasn't really punk and hardcore until Bad Brains went up there and ripped it. And then people were like, whoa, okay, that's, that's what I'm talking about right there. You know, you talk to anybody from New York, they'll tell you that. There wasn't any, like, there was people bouncing up and down and all that stuff, pogoing or whatever they used to call it. But people didn't start, like, slamming and moshing and all that stuff until, you know, the Bad Brains played up there, which is a D.C. band, because they got banned in D.C. So they had to go somewhere else and start playing. And, um, yeah. So they were just like, yeah, those guys. And yeah, I mean, like you said, the shot. I mean, all the bands down here are influenced in some form or some fashion by the bands or the you know the things that they looked up to in the nation's capital, and even Baltimore. Right. You even want to tie that to it too. Well, dude, and check it out too. We also got Washington Music Center. I mean, that's a legendary music store. You know how many famous oh, guitars yeah. have been sold out of there? I mean, that's a damn documentary yeah. in itself. And we got that. Yeah. that that's a store. Well, the whole thing is we're going to probably record. And anybody I've ever talked to who's done documentary or even like when I talked to John about doing quick draw, they do hundreds of hours of stuff just to pull out like just like for quick draw. John's like, dude, I have hundreds of hours of stuff and I just pull out these like 30 minute gold nuggets out of. And that's the whole thing. It's like when we were a photographer back in the 80s, it's like just take a million pictures and pull out your best work and everyone thinks you're a genius. So, I mean, I'm going to be filming literally hours of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I'm writing down all these titles you guys are giving me. And the thing that comes to my mind is just music of the capital. I mean, because that's where it was born. Like, really, so many of these scenes and, like, so many of the East Coast scenes were born near D.C. or in D.C. That it's like... Yeah, but that's I'm, given too much prop to DC, and it's not a I DC suppose. film. I think um, Dan nailed right. it. With Shadow of the Capitol. Yeah, Southern I like Island it. Story or something. Yeah, something exactly. Like that. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I can envision like the cover to be like the Capitol, like silhouette down to a guitar player. But you can't, you know what I mean? The silhouette of a guitar player in the, in the Capitol, in the, the Capitol dome in the background with something cool, how it gradients down or something. Man, that'd be cool. You've got the wheels mm-hmm. turning, my friend. All right, I want to talk about one more thing, and we'll get you guys out of here. D, we are closing down Tin Can Media. I know we Dan are. was like, give it another year. A thousand people are like, give it another oh, year. God. I, I am burned either. out. Mm-hmm. 
from doing a political show, running the network. Fern's been gone pretty much for a year and a half because what's going on with her family. Um, so me and you have had to just like kind of shoulder most of the responsibility. And really, um, the d- music is where it's at right now. Like just to see where the music came from and where the music is going, that's where it's at. Well, I'm launching a podcast with um, William Sanderson, and we're just going to do a twice a month update people on the Deadwood movie and his book. And I'll probably be helping out with the book release and tour and stuff too. And I was like, look, man, I can do five, six, seven things pretty good, or I could just pick two things and do them really, really good. And I think the time has come just to focus on music and keep working mm-hmm. with William on the side. And we're going to launch a musical uh-huh. osmosis website. It's not going to be as um, huge as the tin can was because the tin can had, God, probably like 40 different pages tied to it with different podcasts and vodcasts and stuff. But we'll just write some um, reviews. I'll do some video interviews. I already have some video interviews on my computer that I've done. And we'll put the podcast up there. And I think that I've reached a point now where I just need to simplify and focus on one thing. And music was always my first love. And I feel like this was a big, huge circle of starting off in politics, then kind of doing the comedy show to decompress from the political show. Then the political went away. Right. But the one constant in this whole thing has been musical osmosis and my love of music. And I just feel like the universe is pushing me back to a place where I just want to do music and I love working with William. So I'm going to keep doing my thing with William on the side. But I just want to focus on music now. Nice. I dig it. Dude. That sounds good. I dig it. Yeah, heck yeah. So yeah, I, I spread myself too thin. I want to call in with William one time, dude. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be that kind of show because I was thinking about getting guests and he just wants to do like a really quick 20, 30 minute update twice a month. And it's going to basically just be a show to promote the book because he's been working on these memoirs forever. Yeah, for a I while now. So it's not yeah, going to be kind of cool. format. And we can't take Collins anymore. Because of Skype, we have to actually have well, D call people and maybe edit it out. Maybe. Well, but as of this moment, it, we haven't right. been able to. Well, D, you call me in the background and I'll navigate. I'll tell you how I do it here and you'd be surprised. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot of craziness. All right, we're going to get out of here. Dan, of course, tell everybody where they can find you and you're posting the next episode when. Oh, yeah. Special alert. We're going to um, start doing new episodes on Thursday nights at 8 instead of Fridays at 8 because we've had a lot of guys call us and go, hey, dude, we're always gigging Friday nights. So you want to listen to this? I was going to say, yeah. Out. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought my old man said, brain was crapping out on me because I was like, man, I could have sworn they, that I saw Dan post something saying tomorrow, but that can't be right. So I'm glad I'm not going crazy and you are actually switching it to Thursdays. Well, well, I had to do Friday in the beginning anyway for all the production involved. Now I have certain processes and different things, templates set up. Now I'm I'm a pretty good, well-oiled machine where I can turn it around in a day now. So that's that's the other reason, too. So You heard it cool. here. Dan Harsha says, old hat. I can just get these <laughs> yeah. out. 20 minutes. I scoff at the technical process now. All right, where yeah, do we find you a, online? Up, yeah, Facebook.com backslash the guitar gurus. That's right. Facebook.com backslash the guitar gurus. Everything's there. It's real easy to navigate. 
do you get scared because I know a lot of people are leaving Facebook and that's kind of your main platform to get the word out. Facebook seems like it's going to be going down in flames, man. People are getting sick of the shit on Facebook. Just all the hate dude, and, the fan and spam and man, crap. Dude, I, dude, I try to, I try, you can't, you can't quit it once you have it, man. You can't quit it. It's free and people always want something to do. Everybody mm-hmm. always checks it out. All the fit. It, dude, it's, Everybody likes to complain about it, but they still use it. I know a lot of people who are like who have taken down their Facebooks. It's just not worth it. It's just too damaging to their careers, or it's too much of a headache to keep up with. Well, yeah, because they've already got their money. See, the, the, my audience is trying to get money. <laughs> so I'm giving out attention <laughs> dollars, and, and, and it's all good. And we're creating something where people want to use it. And everybody, everybody that's a musician has it because they're trying to promote their brand. And people, I use Facebook to shop and check stuff out. I don't use it to communicate with people like, hey, man, what are you doing tonight? You know, that's what Messenger's for. You know, when I'm on there, I'm looking for stuff. That's all I see it is this big online market bazaar. There's huh. just a bunch of products. I mean, that's all it is to me. I don't care about when I see it as a fucking answer. viper's pit, dude. Like, I can't. I'll go over to look oh. at a review on a Netflix show, and it'll be blowing up with people pissed off. And I'm like, how can you be pissed off at this show? Like, it, like I see people get pissed off at the stupidest stuff. And it's like, I don't even want to go on here and read reviews because there's a hundred angry assholes on there flipping out. Well, yeah, don't read that. <laughs> That's the easy thing. I don't read the comments. I, I tell got him, but he does. My That's my sickness, <laughs> yeah. man. Because I feel like you can learn yeah, so does. much more about the human condition by looking at the comments than even looking at the content. Hold on, now, hold on, when I'm done the article and you see the first one there, I always give that a glance. And if it starts being real crazy, I check it out for a hot second and I'm gone. That's all I give it. <laughs> then I go, okay, same old. No, same it old sucks that. me in, dude. It's like a black <laughs> hole. And I'm past the fucking but, event horizon. Uh, Yeah, everybody in this country just needs to fucking relax, man, (laughs) and just Mm. take a pill. I mean, damn, man. Dan, you just pissed off like 700 people by saying that. There'll be somebody who listens to the podcast and heard those words, and they're going to be pissed off. You take a pill. You just call No, I mean, (laughs) sugar pill. You know, take a sugar pill. You can say placebo. (laughs) It doesn't matter. All right, let's get out yeah. of here. Because it is getting late. We've been on air forever. All right, man. We will be back in yes. 10 days with Jughead from Screech and Weasel. And we've got a lot of big shows coming up after that. So we will keep you posted. Check us out. You know, I, I, you know, we weren't using it a lot to start with. And we kind of upped our game now, Odell. And now we're using our Musical Osmosis page a lot more on Facebook. So now if you go on there, yeah. I, you know, if somebody leaves and a comment that's more than just tagging somebody or saying something stupid, I'll answer back. Especially if somebody's like, hey man, what do you think about that? I don't ignore anybody oh, on yeah. And somebody anybody ever writes me, I have bands write me all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'll check your stuff out, dude. In fact, I think I'm just going to get a bunch of the bands who've wrote us through Facebook and just have a show in May and just have each of them call in for 20 minutes to promote their thing just to kind of get back to the scene. Even though I don't even really Ooh. know who those cats are. So reach out to us on there, man. I always like meeting the audience. Hey, hey one more quick thing, Nick. Okay. I'm going to give a tease to my show. Um, get, who we had on this week was David Packows from Singular Sound. Uh, um, and also, in a couple years ago, um, that movie um, War Dogs that came out um, with yeah. Jonah Hill and Bradley Cooper, that's based off his life. Oh, yeah. He was the inner. 
he was an international arms dealer. It was pretty cool. So oh, gotta shit, listen to that really? One. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, so much history down that. there. That's why this documentary, I think, is going to have some movement. Yeah, dude, so check it out, man. We'll check y'all, man. Thanks for having me. It's cool. All righty, uh, man. We are out of here. Odell, I've been trying to work on a line that I put up on Musical Osmosis the other day. Like, no matter how you choose to rock, never stop. But I feel like it's missing oh something. But I'm going to I'm gonna work on that line because I always feel like we jump off the air and I'm like, huh, well, bye, guys. Like, I just got dumped at the fucking prom or something. So I need a really powerful Musical Osmosis line to go out on. All right, send me suggestions. We're out of here. Bye, guys.